0: Chapter 4. High School Although I played sports for the duration of my high school career, I would not say that I fit in with that crowd outside the baseball diamond or gymnasium. That bothered me in a way. It felt like a form of negative validation. What was I doing wrong? What could I change? In the moment, I honestly wanted others to change. I was already proving myself through my sports skills, so they should change their behavior and like me after practice too, right? I would finally be invited to the cool kids' parties, to know their inside jokes, to be an actual insider with my own teammates. What I wanted did not seem to matter to them, though, so I searched for validation elsewhere, which led me down a destructive path as I began to form my identity during this stage of life. After years of top performance in baseball and basketball, in addition to following all-season strength and conditioning training, I entered high school with high expectations. To my disappointment, I was relegated to the freshman baseball team, even with a laser-like focus on my preparation and performance. In basketball, I could see the writing on the wall as well. Not sure how to take these critical setbacks, I moved forward the best I could without a plan. Adjusting was difficult, especially for baseball. As a left-handed player, I was always one of the top starters on the pitching roster. Even in summer league baseball between 8th grade and high school, I was a standout doing whatever it took to help the team stay competitive and win. Someone watching the team unfold throughout the summer could easily pick up on my talent and assume I would make JV my freshman year. Making the freshman team instead of JV weighed heavily on me and greatly impacted my social life as I began what I had hyped up to be the best four years of my life. In an attempt to bury these feelings, I convinced my parents that I needed to switch schools, especially with the lack of respect and little to no playing time. Eventually, they listened, and I was transferred from a public school to a private school on the other side of town. I had high hopes for myself, both with sports and academically. Unfortunately, not much would change. In fact, in the back of my mind, I had hoped changing schools would open up the opportunity for me to start fresh with a new identity and thus connect socially with more peers. To my surprise, the opposite happened. I still attempted interactions with students from my old school, hoping that the new me would be more appealing to them. Well, I was wrong about that because countless times, kids would tell me they had no idea I had even transferred and had not noticed that I was missing from classes. Talk about being an outcast. This made me feel worse, my little self-esteem sinking even lower. The new me did not go over well at my new school either. Being a private school, it was quite common for my peers to be trust fund babies the sons and daughters of high society parents, doctors, lawyers, business owners, people with power and money. And so, with time, the crowd I settled into was quirky and unique. We like to do normal high school stuff like hang out, listen to music, go to dance clubs, and stay out late. We also experimented with alcohol and mixing cold and cough pills. The feeling of doing something bad that I was not supposed to made it even more tempting. Even though I was aware of the risk of mixing those pills, the high and weightless floating sensation was worth it every single time. As a direct result of this new group of friends in our extracurricular activities, my grades began to suffer. I landed in detention many times, craving that attention, even though it was obviously so negative. My attitude changed, and I became a smart mouth, full of rage, and ready to snap back at my parents for their comments about my lifestyle. I was having fun. I found my people, and they were happy to have me. I was sticking with baseball, still attending practice, and playing decent enough to stay off the bench most games. I was regularly lifting weights just to say that I did to keep the coach off my back. I would stall every day in season long enough for another high before practice or the next ride to an away game with the teammates who did not care to have me around. Suddenly, I was sneaking drinks from the bar at a few family weddings. I began to drop easy-to-catch fly balls in the outfield. I eventually had to have shoulder surgery, which I never quite healed from, and my plane suffered severely. On top of the healing time, I was exposed to pain medicines. The surgery was supposed to help me pitch without pain, yet I never regained my velocity and throwing range of motion. When it came time to take the SAT and ACT test, I bombed both despite my attempts at studying with my friends capped off with some pills to ease into the massive test prep booklet. I was drinking and driving, pregaming before the clubs with mixing pill types and downing alcohol. The moment I stepped off the field after a game, I was back at it with my friends. Friday night football games meant more binging and loud music. Rude comments to my mother as I stormed out the door, only stopping home to shower and change my clothes. Within this whirlwind life I was living, my competitive nature was the star of the show. Being competitive in sports is one thing, but being competitive at something dangerous and life-threatening is another. Something about me was off, and I knew it. It did not show physically. I had an athlete's build and continued to work on my muscle tone, and that left only one place it could be—inside. Could it be something mental? I had no idea, but all signs are definitely pointing in that direction. My competitive nature took hold in my habits, from the substance abuse to texting friends, checking email, studying, and completing homework. My heart was set on productivity and efficiency, even when it affected my well-being. I was knowledgeable about a lot of things and yet an expert on nothing. When senior year of high school rolled around, my grades and habits suffered harder than ever. I knew I was loved and my family cared about me despite it all. I just did not want to admit it. I had found my way. Couldn't they see that? I did not need to be babied. I was going on 18 years old, the prime of my life. Well, my low self-esteem went even lower when I opened rejection letters from Ohio State University and a few other schools. I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. I thought all I had to do was apply, and they had to let me in simply because they wanted my tuition money. My sister was excelling in college. I wanted to be just like her, except with admittedly way less effort to get there. But was that what I genuinely wanted to do with my life? It became clear I was trying to satisfy my mental health by altering my appearance and behavior. I dyed my hair blonde, blue, and even green throughout high school. I started playing guitar, even taking it as far as playing at a school dance after a football game. A couple other students who were seeking a guitarist for their band approached me. And soon after, we were playing small gigs together. Even though they were house parties, I thought it was great living life just like the big bands, Green Day and Third Eye Blind, while we drank alcohol, did drugs, and had multiple girls on our arms all night long. However, after a few gigs, I showed up for practice just like always. I knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, and called only to be greeted by the answering machine inside the home. I got the message, another failure for me, leading me down a spiral of thoughts. Why is this happening? What is wrong with me? To help myself make some decisions, I leaned on my usual concoction of pills and alcohol. At the end of senior year, I ended up heavily overdosing. That night, I took 32 cold and cough pills. My friend was just going to drop me off at home, per usual. I would sleep it off and be fine in the morning. Somewhere within the fog of his drugged mind, something told him to detour to the emergency room. He saved my life that evening. They pumped my stomach just as my organs began to fail. After overdosing, I began a vague counseling schedule and took the prescribed antidepressant pills. I was still hollow inside, still searching for myself and the next step to take in life. I wanted to fit in so badly, and yet nothing I did was getting me there. All that time spent in my own head, continuing to ruminate over every decision and every activity, led me falling back into my recent habits, my only sense of comfort. What was wrong with me? What was I trying to prove? What was I accomplishing with this behavior? I was hoping to find an answer by popping another pill or taking another shot of alcohol. Unfortunately, that soon began a way of life that continued well into college and into my 20s and 30s.